above and below the line. So here I am, sitting on a Skype call with a life coach in training, in a crying, hysterical mess, one moment away from taking my own life, but grasping onto the last shred of hope I had. I really needed a psychiatrist, not a life coach. But there she was, a woman with a life coaching handbook ready to run me through some exercises. And there I was, snot dripping down my face, gasping for air from crying so much, unable to string a sentence together. After she'd managed to calm me down, Lisa pulled a few tricks out of her toolbox, some weird thing where she was trying to disrupt my neural pathways and a few other exercises that I can't really recall now. And then she pulled out the big gun the thing that would change the trajectory of my life in one single moment. It was so simple, an image, above and below the line. I have no idea who to attribute this concept to, but I can tell you the impact that it has had is astounding. The concept is so simple, a line. And above the line are positive emotional states and below it are negative states. So you have love above, below it fear. Above hero, below victim. Above abundance, below scarcity. Above acceptance, below judgment. Choice and stuck. Hope, hopeless. Respond, react. 100% responsibility, blame. Results, excuses. Clarity, vagueness. Feedback, failure. Action, procrastination. Solution, problem. The question Lisa asked me was simply, where do you think you are? The answer? Well and truly below. There was not a single thing about me in that moment that was even close to the line, let alone above it, except maybe a tiny glimmer of hope. I looked at this image and I immediately recognized that the line, it was choice. I could choose to stay here in my self-imposed misery, or I could choose to move my sorry ass above the line. I could also see that if I could focus on just one area, I could potentially shift some of the other areas above the line too. The next day I went back to the office, I grabbed my box of chalk, and on one entire wall of my studio I drew the diagram. I stood back and took it all in. Where did I feel the most below the line? Easy. Abundance lack. How might I be able to move above the line? I started tracking money coming in. Maybe if I shifted the focus from all the money that was going out to the money that was coming in, I might be able to shift to feel more abundant. So I grabbed my whiteboard and each time a job for my voiceover agency would come in, I'd write down the client name and the money to invoice them. Something did shift and I'm not sure if it was as a result or if it was just because I was suddenly seeing it for the first time, but it felt like more money was coming my way. It was incredibly powerful to focus on and be grateful for what was coming in. Suddenly I felt some space from my emotions. I could actually think, not just react. And with that space, I could see that there were some big decisions I needed to make. There wasn't quite enough space to make them with clarity. Cue second life coach in training, Sora. A night or two later, I was lying on my bed talking to Sora about the whole scenario and she asked me one very powerful question. If you close your eyes and imagine the office collective is running exactly the way you'd envisaged it, people are buzzing, it's busy, and you're not struggling to make ends meet, is that worth what you're currently going through? The answer was a very clear and loud and immediate no. 
This dream had cost me too much. It wasn't worth the pain I was in. It wasn't worth crying over every single day. It wasn't worth feeling like a total fuck-up and failure. It was all so clear to me. The attachment had gone. I didn't need it to work anymore. I had what I'd wanted all along. Friends. Fabulous, inspiring, supportive friends. I didn't need to be spending $1,000 a week to keep a co-working space open anymore. I could move the fuck on. Only I couldn't. Really, I was locked into a three-year lease and it had only been 12 months. I came back once more to the above and below the line diagram. What I need is financial relief. So how might I get that? I move from problem to solution, from at effect to at cause, from react to respond. And I'm no longer attached to the idea of it being a co-working space. I can look at other options. Maybe I could find half a dozen people who just want to share an office, kind of like subletting. I could put an ad in the local classifieds and ask around to see if anyone's interested. One woman who had worked in my space from time to time was keen. She was an artist and wanted to use the backyard, which was kind of a converted garage storage space. She was happy to pay $100 a week. Awesome. So now just to find some more. I sent an email to the executive officer at the local chamber, of which I was a board member, and asked if she'd be willing to help me out by putting an ad for office space in the newsletter. Now, just because I'd stumbled across this above and below the line concept didn't mean I still wasn't totally scared or feeling pretty powerless. I had moved up the line, but I was not yet above it. It was super overwhelming. I mean, how was I going to make all this happen? I hadn't even found six members in the almost year I'd been open. How was I going to find enough people to cover the outgoings? I went for a walk on the beach to clear my head. It was time for a serious talk with the universe, which happens from time to time. I said out loud like a crazy person, right, I've been pushed to the brink and I've made the choice to close the office, but now you need to meet me halfway. Do what you have to do to bring me some relief. I got home to find a missed call from another board member. He'd been to the office for a strategy session that I ran for the board, and he loved it. He was looking for a bigger space to move into while they built a custom new office, and he'd like to move in. He'd take over all of the space beside my studio and pay the bulk of the rent and outgoings. Later that week, he signed a sublease, and as the financial year came to a close, so did the office collective. I went into this chapter feeling so lonely and isolated, and that loneliness was the fuel for starting the co-working space in the first place. I wanted to feel part of something. I wanted to belong. I wanted to feel seen and heard and understood. And as I closed this chapter, in some weird roundabout way, I had what I wanted. A group of like-minded people around me who totally understood what I was going through and who I was. Sometimes we can be so dog-eared attached to something needing to unfold in a certain way. Those feelings of connection and community were going to come from the co-working space, right? And they did, but not in the way I'd expected. I'd expected the business would be a raging success and I'd be the leader in my field, surrounded by people who shared the same values. And somehow, inadvertently, I became the leader, surrounded by people who shared the same values just not in the way or via the path I'd envisaged. Little did I know, letting go of the office collective would create space for the biggest project of my life and led me to exactly where I wanted to be. But there's still plenty of on-your-knees moments to come yet.